0: You're listening to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast with Nola Heal. Nola has over 30 years of experience in financial and operations management for companies around the world. As a part-time CFO, she's dedicated to working with businesses of all sizes to create sustainable growth and amplify strategy.
1: Today I'm excited to welcome Jake Hirsch to chat about his business in talent management and live events production a world that must have been both challenging and exciting over the past year. Jake Hirsch launched his entertainment group in 2006 as one of the largest mixed martial arts management agencies in North America, representing talent in the UFC, Bellator, K-1, World Series of Fighting, and the Maximum Fighting Championship. It was there that Jake found his love of live events, promoting UFC after-parties and seminars throughout the country. After a chance interview with Yak Yak's Comedy Club's founder, Mark Breslin, Jake joined the Yak Yak's family and launched the popular Yak Yak's Comedy Podcast, where he hosted and interviewed world-class comedians weekly. He eventually became their West Coast talent agent, getting to work with amazing comedians and putting on live shows throughout Western Canada. In 2017, Jake left Yuck Yucks to focus on talent management and to help a small group of clients with their careers. Starting with one client, Jake soon amassed an impressive roster of artists and expanded into touring, video production, and producing specials. Having a small boutique agency was always the vision. Fewer clients, more attention. The stars aligned again when Jake met John Cornette of All Things Comedy and Rick and Tammy Bronson, who mentored him in ticketing live events and the comedy club business. Jake's exclusive roster of clients included the world-famous Comedy Store, The Laugh Factory, Rick Bronson's House of Comedy, The Stand, Laugh Bronson, Just for Laughs, and Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Jake continues to manage, tour, promote, and talent buy for numerous shows and festivals throughout the country, providing expertise to live events, clubs, and promoters. Even through the current pandemic, Jake Hirsch Entertainment Group has been an integral part of bringing live entertainment back with live performances in both music and comedy. Welcome, Jake. Thank you for joining us today. You have an absolutely amazing, fascinating career. To get us started, I wonder if you could give us a little bit of background on your activities and what brought you to founding Jake Hirsch Entertainment Group.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, of course, giving me the, the platform to talk a little bit about myself and, and, uh, and the agency. Um. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, crazy background. I. Uh, I actually started off in law enforcement. So I actually was in law enforcement for about fifteen years, and uh, when I got out of that, I was uh, one of my big skill sets was interviewing. So I. Uh, in law enforcement world, it was interrogating, but, uh, but <laughs> in, so in the normal true. world, it's, interviewing. <laughs> it's a different level, uh, not as harsh, but, um, I just, I found a real love of, of interviewing people and, uh, you know, getting to know them beyond the surface. And, and, uh, so, uh, you know, podcasting was really in its in- infancy back then. And, uh, you know, it wasn't what it was now, uh, but it, it really gave me a really unique opportunity um, to To use that platform to to search out fascinating people that I thought would be really fun to interview and to get some insight into some of their background and and uh, some of their experiences and so I started off just interviewing people and it was almost a uh, fake it until you make it. I think back then you know a lot of people weren 't uh, using podcasting yet and uh, so it gave me a really good opportunity to reach out to people that probably uh, nowadays would say no uh, to an interview but uh, back then I think they were still trying to figure it out so they they were you know maybe a bit reluctant but uh, ultimately said yes so um, I started off doing interviews and uh, you know interviewed some really uh, amazing people and that's really where I found my love in, in the you know entertainment field. I got uh, you know really uh, deep down into interviewing actors, uh, screen uh, writers, um, you know producers, uh, directors, and really i would just look at you know you know some of my favorite tv shows that that i would watch and and just seek the person out on twitter and uh and Fantastic. i would uh, i would yeah i would you know i i look back now and i I'm, I'm, i you know i kind of laugh about it because i would almost uh you know, present myself in a third party. So I would write them as like an assistant and say, you know, Mr. Jake Hurst would love to have you on his podcast. And, uh, and, you know, so they would think, oh, this must be like a professional thing when really it was just, you know, in my bedroom, you know, on a computer just, oh,
0: you know, so messing awesome. around.
2: So, uh, but yeah, I got to interview some fascinating people and and, uh, and it really, uh, you know, motivated me and, and gave me the drive to uh, to really dive, you know, deep uh, into the entertainment business. And, and so, Um, I kind of think that was really my first love of, of the entertainment field. Uh, I, you know, used to manage, uh, mixed martial art fighters back in the day. And, and, um, and, and so that, you know, wasn't really, um, it didn't have the crossover yet. You know, the ultimate fighting championship hadn't really blown up into household TVs and stuff like that yet. So it was still kind of a, you know, more of a niche sport and, and, uh, you know, definitely didn't have the, uh the um, access and the platform that that, you know, comedy and uh, entertainment did. So that was kind of my first step into it, though.
1: Fantastic. Absolutely awesome. And what a transition to go from law enforcement to entertainment. One normally thinks of those as as completely opposite. So can you tell <laughs> us a little bit about the business that you are have founded and, and, and what you get up to nowadays?
2: Sure, sure. So, um, you know, I I ended up doing an interview with uh, Mark Breslin, who's the the founder of of uh, Yuck Yucks, the uh, the comedy club chain, and uh, they asked me to do a Yuck Yucks comedy podcast. And so every week I was interviewing comics and and uh, and really had uh, you know a really good um, uh, opportunity to to meet some really fascinating people in, in the comedy business. Uh, the more people that I met, uh, the more I fell in love with it. Um, and from there, a lot of comics started approaching me and saying, Hey, you know, we would love for you to manage and, and, you know, we would love to have a, a some type of a formal management, uh, person. Um, and I, I really didn't know, you know, all that would entail. Um, I, would never really worked, you know, in depth in, into the comedy business. Um, but, uh, but I, I said, you know, Hey, what the heck, you know, let's, let's give this a shot. And I started off with one client, uh, Kathleen from Edmonton, Kathleen McGee and, uh, and from there, I started up my own agency, and, and it was a, you know, entertainment agency, talent management company. Um, I started producing live shows, live comedy shows, um, all across Western Canada, and really, it was just the labor of uh, love. I don't think I made a dollar the first uh, two years I was in the business. I think it was just, uh, you know, reaching out to these little pubs and bars all across the, you know, the country and saying, hey. You know, if you give us a stage, we'll come and and you know ply our ply our trade. And and uh, really, it was about you know building a fan base for some of the people that I was working for. So that uh, really was um, a, a really unique opportunity to to really you know tell clients, future clients that I ended up signing um, as as talent representation to to kind of say, hey. You know, I know what it's like to be on the road. I know what it's like to go sleep in really bad hotel rooms and, and you know, live off of really, you know, not a lot of uh, of, uh, of money and uh, and I kind of get a better understanding of what the arts were in, in Western Canada at that time and, and uh, getting probably a better appreciation for it. So I really made it my goal and my mission to try to represent talent as best as I could and, uh, and really strive for larger partnerships, larger opportunities for some of my uh, clients. And that's kind of... Of where things have, have laid now. Um, I've recently started up a new, uh, talent management company with a, a partner. Um, we haven't quite launched that yet, but, um, it's something that came out of the, out of the pandemic and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm really looking forward to being able to, uh, uh, announce that moving forward. But, um, but yeah, so I do everything from live events. Um, so, you know, comedy club bookings, uh, to theater touring, Um, You know, we've produced specials for Comedy Dynamics, we've uh, produced specials for Amazon, uh, I've shot a couple of uh, uh Amazon specials uh, for comedy um as a producer um which has been a fantastic experience and uh you know it got to produce a show for just uh, just for uh, laughs and so now that's pretty much my my you know my work on the agency side of things is is to try to develop talent try to get you know more eyes on them and and what they're doing and and expose them to a much larger audience.
1: Absolutely fantastic. So from labor of love to unbelievable exciting times and challenge and the entertainment industry must have hit an absolute wall in 2020 with the arrival of the COVID-19 lockdowns. What impact did it have on your business and obviously live entertainment I'm guessing was completely shut down. So, how did you get through the last year? What have you been up to?
2: That's a great, great question. Um, and you're right. I mean, the live events industry, um, I think, all but shut down. And and I think, um, you know, I think in the back of you know your mind, you always think, well, what if you know if something were to happen where you know you wouldn't be able to do um, you know large scale comedy shows. And and you know, there's always a there's always a, a place in in my mind where I was I was thinking. I always try to think two or three steps. Uh, ahead of the game, and to say, you know, if this doesn't work out, we have this other opportunity. Well, with the pandemic, there really wasn't a plan, a plan B with that. You know, for for me, I looked at it as, you know, this is this is pretty devastating. Um, you know, not only comedy clubs are shut down, but theaters are shut down. Um, you know, bars and pubs were shut down. There was really no forum to to really go out there and 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 produce anything or or to try to host any live uh, events. So um I had uh, you know some friends very early on thank God reach out and say hey you know we're thinking about doing you know these type of zoom comedy shows and and online streaming shows and awesome. stuff like that that was really my first you know, kind of saying, hey, you know, maybe we should start wrapping our heads around a different way of entertaining people and and hopefully they'll find a way to uh, embrace that. The, the tough part, of course, when performing, you know, whether it be, um, you know, comedy or, or speeches or, or any type of, you know, live, uh, you know, live streaming show is is not getting a gauge of you know whether or not you're hitting well with your with your audience. You know, Ooh, comics need to hear part. those Absolutely. Yeah. They need to hear those laughs, they feel that feedback and to know that, you know, maybe the road that they're going is working or it's not working. Um, not a lot like music. You know, music you have an artist go up and they'll play a song and at the end of the song they'll get the applause. You know, and comics really need that that immediate you know response to in order to kind of gauge. Um, But, you know, I was one of the very first ones to reach out to large comedy groups and and different groups on Facebook and to say, hey, listen, um, we better start wrapping our heads around, you know, doing this and finding a different way of, of, you know, entertaining. And so um, Zoom comedy shows became very, very popular, not only on the on the personal level, but also on the corporate level. So we had a lot of corporations reach out and say, hey you know we're all stuck at home and and we're looking to do a happy hour on a friday can we bring a comic in for 20 minutes maybe 30 minutes to kick off the happy hour um and not not only that but we've also had you know large scale you know corporations reach out and you know um say hey you know we would love to entertain up to you know 305 500 people on a on a zoom conference call and and you know um do that i think we did one Two weeks ago, for a social media conference, we had I think it was 800 attendees uh, on on the Zoom the Zoom call. And I mean, hat I mean, this was all uncharted waters for me. I didn't even know you could have 800 people on a Zoom call. But, oh, uh, there
1: you go. Exciting yeah. times. I must admit, really, really awesome to be able to branch into an alternative medium, even though it's not ideal. I mean, let's sure. face it, in person is far better, but I do wonder if for some of these companies, they're looking at the opportunity to have you and your, your group in as almost a, another outlet or a relief for some of the employees because, I mean, mental health at the moment, employees are suffering and comedy is certainly one way of relieving some of the stress.
2: That's right. That's right. And I know, you know, I even had a hard time. I think the first half of, I, you know, kind of always gauge it as the first half of the pandemic, Um, you know, just kind of gauging on when I think, you know, vaccines are going to be, you know, uh, widely uh, uh, available to, uh, people. But, you know, the first half of the pandemic, I felt like I was fine. I had, you know, pretty much worked remotely my entire career. I was, you know, very much used to working behind a computer and, and doing lots of on, on online meetings. The second half of the pandemic, I felt, um, it was really difficult as I think it really blurred the lines between work and home for a lot of people. You're constantly surrounded by, you know, my pets have become needier, my dogs are, you know, they freak out now if I leave the house, right? And They uh, do. I've
0: got the same
2: problem. (laughs) <laughs> so, so, you know, and, and I just noticed that, you know, I, I was having a tough time with it. I was, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of times you go to work early in the morning and it's dark out. And of course, you know, we're, you know, we live in a, in a, in a, in a climate and, and in a country, you know, unfortunately at times that at, when you get off work, it can be dark out. And so it doesn't really motivate you to go out for a walk or to spend time, you know, doing things uh, activity wise. So I think really found that this provided a great relief for a lot of people. Um, and it, it really, I think, um, drove home that, um, you know, it's okay to laugh and it's okay to have a good time, even if you're on the clock. And and I think companies were a lot more open to, to you know, to, to facilitating those things. And I think, you know, if if anything, um, you know, one of the benefits is that it really has shown a light on, on you know, shined a light on, on mental health and, and what people, you know, what tools that people need. I think a lot of people joke around about, oh, this is ideal. You get to stay home all day and not have to get up early for work or to commute. Uh, but I still think there, there's a, still a part of people that did enjoy that process of having that alone time for maybe 30 minutes when you're driving to work in the morning, or stopping and grabbing a coffee, and and even someone stopping by your office to just to, you know say hi, that that human interaction, and and I think that people were were really missing that. So to get somebody from outside your normal you know circle of of colleagues and and your normal circle of of uh, people at uh, work um, to come in and and provide comedy and and to you know, say, hey, it's okay to to let to let your hair down and, and I'm gonna give you permission to laugh a bit. And and I think that was that's been a really good reward for us and, and a really great reward for artists that are trying to stay alive them you know, themselves, trying to work.
1: Oh, pretty critical for them, quite honestly, because it really is their livelihood. So as we start opening up after the vaccines are, are rolling out more comprehensively. Are you expecting spectators will return in much the same way as they did pre-pandemic or are you expecting changes and maybe a combination of the formats to continue?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Actually I just had a conversation with a comic from the UK um, probably 20 minutes ago that was asking me this very same question. Do you expect bookings to fall off? Do you expect you know, this to this, you know, form of, of entertainment to completely go away. Are people gonna go racing back to, to clubs and stuff like that? Um I do believe it's gonna be busier than than ever, um, especially in the in the you know entertainment field. Um I always kinda said, you know, we had the Spanish flu of nineteen eighteen, but right after that came the you know, the the roaring twenties, right? Everybody was anxious to get so out and, and true. to go yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah. but I still believe that this has been a very unique opportunity for people to, to also connect with people beyond what their expectations were. I've seen weddings where people, you know, got to attend a wedding from Australia and the wedding mm-hmm. was in California. Um, I've seen people, you know, join up and, and do a, a live comedy show, uh, from one comic from Texas, one comic from New York, and, and, you know, everybody working together. Um, But I do think that people love the live element. I think they love there's nothing that can beat, you know, you know, people always say like, oh, you know, uh, you know, I don't understand why people love going to concerts and it's all jam packed and, you know, this and that. And you can't sometimes the audio isn't great and you can't, you know, don't it's not a great experience. But I think that there is that part of people that really need to feel that energy and, and to go out and, you know, there's nothing I always, you know, of course, comedy, I'm, I'm, I'm biased because I just love going to a comedy club and sitting in a room with 200 other people, 300 other people that I'm never going to be able to sit in a room with again. I mean, let's face it. I don't know who these people Very are. True. And, yeah. and, you know, to experience this and have this really amazing experience with, with people and to all find things similar to, you know, to laugh at and to joke about and to, and to just really let your guard down, you know and uh and to really experience that and and I think that you know there's a certain element that you'll that's never replicated. I don't think you'll ever be able to not replicate that um but I also believe that this has also opened up a lot of doors for uh you know hey, there's that you know those people that live in the middle you know of the country that that maybe don't have access to a live entertainment venue or or a comedy club. Um, And this has really opened up an opportunity for them to see their favorite uh, performer or maybe, you know, an opportunity to log in and see a concert that they might not have had access to before. So, yeah, I
1: mean, it's it's undeniable that there's nothing to beat the energy in a live event absolutely nothing can beat that and we are social animals at the end of the day we do need human interaction interacting with a computer screen gets pretty tedious and that's right two-dimensional that's right It's going to be very interesting to see how things move forward because the virtual format is unquestionably time-economic in that people are not traveling. You, One moment you can be in Los Angeles, the next minute you can be in Sydney, Australia. I mean, it's right. really easy. And we do not have time capsules to be able to move. <laughs> so, That's right. yeah, I That's personally right. think it's going to be very, very interesting to see how we move forward out of this and, yeah, I mean, I would suspect we going to have a blended format going forward. I think so, so too. I so. think
2: that's even on the landscape of of people returning back to work and, you know, in offices and stuff like that. Uh, you know, my my uh, wife works uh, for an oil and gas company and, and they were one of those companies that were like. There's no way we could ever work everybody from home until it was forced upon them and then said, hey, we don't have a choice anymore. we got to figure this out. And uh, But now, you know, I think they're starting to see, you know, and, and even now the, the, the frame of mind is, is starting to, to shift a bit about, hey, there are some benefits to working from home. You know, there is, you know, uh, we don't need to pay such crazy absorbent prices for rent in some of these brick and mortar that, you know, we're going to downtown. And, and I think there's definitely been a cost savings. That companies are starting to to look at as well. So you know, even some of the companies that you know swore that they would never be able to to work uh, uh, remotely have have been a lot more lenient and a lot more open minded to saying, hey, maybe we should go back to you know two or three days a week at the office instead of like a full five day work week. So, so it's interesting. True.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. amusing that you mentioned oil and gas. Because when we shut down in March of 2020, I was doing a contract for an oil and gas company and it was based in the oil sands at site, so staying in right. site and, and that type of thing. Sure. But the particular role I was doing was entirely computer screen based. So I'd had many conversations with them saying, you know, you're wasting money, quite honestly, flying all of these people up to site. Accommodation, flights, getting people up at two, you know, 4 in the morning because right. your flight's at 4.45 or something. That's and right. And so I had convinced them that I'd like to work in their downtown Calgary office for a couple of weeks just to prove the point. And it was quite amusing. About two months after the lockdown, um, my contract had long ended. It actually ended at the, the uh, end of March. But they approached me about two months into the lockdown I said, well, thank you for showing us this could be done because you actually <laughs> opened our eyes to the opportunity. <laughs> oh, exactly.
2: That's amazing. Yeah. That's so, that's so, <laughs> so, so, so true. And it's funny. I actually have a, a side little story for you. My next door neighbor, um, you know, he's, uh, he works on the, uh, on the oil rigs, but he was flying up and, you know, to Fort, to Fort Mac, um, every, I think his rotation was, you know, two or three weeks in and a, a week off and, and, uh, he drives one of these, you know, these monsters. I call them Alberta limousines, the big monster trucks, you know, and uh, and and uh, and so I, you know, one day we were outside talking. I said, hey, man, I haven't seen you, you know, leave the house for a while. He said, oh, no, you know, we're kind of shutting things down and, and working from home. And I said, so when you go out to these oil sites, you must have to, you know, deal with some pretty, you know, horrendous roads and snow and stuff. And he said, "No, I, I fly up to the." And I said, "Well, why do you have a truck that's just?" I said, "You just drive to the airport, man. What are you? What, what are you talking about? Why do you need a you know four by four truck to go to the airport?" I, I in my mind, I'm thinking you're out in the bush somewhere, you know, tromping over four by in all these you know places. But, yeah, no, here all he was was driving to the local airport. So I was like, "Wow." But
0: yeah, it.
2: it's such a culture shift though. You know, it, it, it really has been, um, you know, one of the, one of the unique opportunities that I got was, uh, I worked at a company called, um, uh, Eventbrite, which is a, a ticketing right. company. I was brought on there as the head of comedy partnerships for them. And, and, uh, during the pandemic, I, you know, we all got furloughed from there. And, uh, and I ended up getting recruited by a company in Calgary called show pass. And it's a tech company that does ticketing. And and they said, Hey, listen, we've got a model that we think could really help bring back live events safely to the masses. And, and, um, and this was an area that, you know, I was really, you know, trying to wrap my head around again, other than, than, than zoom uh, shows. But, um, they had brought me on and said, "Hey, you know what? How can we facilitate this?" And and so a colleague of mine, Joel uh, Jolinsky, just wanted to give him a quick shout out. Um, he came up with this uh, amazing. Uh, model to do hotel balcony concerts and that's something that we've also pivoted to doing I ended up doing i was the first um, the comedy show to to do a, a live comedy show uh, you know all ahS approved in the middle of a pandemic when everything was locked down um, but essentially we found these hotel properties and uh, with balcony facing a common area so whether it be a pool or whether it be you know a, a, an a atrium at a hotel. Uh, each balcony worked as your own private box suite, uh, like you would be at a Flames game or like a concert. And so we were able to sell out, you know, these monster shows and and have people sitting on their balconies enjoying a show, uh, enjoying a, a, a live uh, show. So we really wanted to put this to the test. We ended up... Um, Uh, working and and pairing up with a a really great promoter out of the States and uh, we did our first uh, outdoor live concert in the States uh, on Amelia Island in Florida at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel and we sold uh, I think it was 300 rooms and uh, we were really afraid because we were like we don't know how this is going to go and uh and we sold out in three hours, and, and it was unbelievable. So it, it was, uh, and just to see the visual, I'll have to send you some some uh, some pictures of it in some uh, video, but to look up um, from the pool deck area and look up and see, you know, 300 rooms full of people on their balconies, you know, cheering and, and you know, and it was great because you've got, you know, all the problems that I think we dealt with in live events, uh, you know, public washrooms and food and beverage, everything was taken care of. You have absolutely. your own private bathroom, uh, you've got room service if, if you'd like it, and, uh, and it just made for a fantastic weekend. So that's another really cool area that, you know, we pivoted to, and, and it's great to see that model start to uh, start to take off. Absolutely. That's
1: pretty exciting. Everyone yeah, with was their own private box. And oh, well, that sounds absolutely awesome. So I I must uh, credit you with being the master of the pivot. Um, (laughs) You've actually had to reinvent a couple of times through your career. Do you have particular techniques or secrets that you use to overcome hurdles or unlock the successes?
2: Yeah, that's a great question too. Um, I I'm always uh, I always lean on the ears of people that have been down the road before me, and and I'm never afraid to reach out for help um, and advice. I find that even something as simple as LinkedIn, uh, you know, those types of sites where you can go on and listen to what other people are doing, and you know, to get ideas, to get feedback. Um, I really rely on a lot of, you know, the people that I've uh, had the opportunity to to work with um, throughout the years, whether it be on the ticketing side of the business, uh, whether it be on the live event side uh, of, of, of the business um, to reach out and, and to and to try to get a little bit more, um, you know, insight and, and perhaps uh, advice. Um, but I'm also one of those people that I really um, I go back to basics a, a lot. So if there's something that I'm working on and and I'm hitting a, a roadblock, um, you know, and just for uh, as uh, as a maybe a, a good uh, example, um, I had a local comedian. This was before the pandemic. Reach out and he said, Hey, you know, I've got a I've got a club that I'm running in, and uh, I think it was in Red Deer. And he said, uh, You know, I I can't get anybody out. I can't I, my marketing isn't there. I I can't seem to to pull in the crowds. And, uh, and, and so something as simple as that, where a lot of people would just say, Hey, throw some Facebook ads at it. Keep throwing money at your marketing, you know, do that. I go back to the old school. So what I used to do is I used to get these little baseball cards, size flyers of what my comedy show was. I'd go down to the local pizza place and I'd say, Hey, you guys deliver, you know, 120 pizzas a night. How I... I put this little flyer inside the pizza box and you can give that out to all of, and I'll give you tickets to my comedy show for life for free. And so the owners of the pizza place were like, hey, this is great. But it also opened up marketing to 120 new prospects every evening. And so I would go every week and I would drop off flyers I would go and and hang posters. Still, Um, I would really try to utilize any type of uh, you know integrations or social media tools that I could, whether it be mailing lists, whether it be um, you know giving people incentives to buy tickets, maybe contests and stuff like that. So you know, there's always I find that you know we have a saying in in the business with one of my clients. Uh, He's uh, he's a uh, guy who's on TV every week, uh, and he you know whether it be when we first started out uh, together, he was on the club uh, circuit. Now he's now he's on a national TV program, uh, and so whether it be inside of a club or whether it be on the set of a show. Uh, we always have this saying there's a devil on every level and and there's always something to you know there's always a hurdle to 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 jump over uh, or a hoop to be jumping through whether it be contracts whether it be you know not enough people you know uh, embracing your uh, brand maybe it's not enough people showing up to your uh, comedy shows so having the ability to have to be very knowledgeable Uh, to pull in insight and advice from industry experts and to not be afraid to ask for help and not be afraid to go back and and do what maybe got you there in the first place um, success-wise, to go back to basics.
1: Absolutely phenomenal. Very, very valuable. No wonder you've been so successful. Um, So what trends do you see impacting the industry over the next let say three to five years, because, uh, there's been a, a large change already. And where do we see this going?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I've had, you know, definitely a couple of, you know, thoughts on that. And, and, uh, you know, even in the industry, of course, I, am speaking in, in terms of you know, live entertainment and, and comedy of, of, of course. Um, but, um, You know, I think that there's also going to be a certain element of people that are not going to be very quick to rush out to the large concerts and stadiums and stuff like that. I think, you know, um, a lot of people have gotten very comfortable with, you know, embracing being introverted and not necessarily feeling like they have to go out uh, to enjoy that live experience. I think. Um, You know, as much as it's going to be a booming um, place to be, I think people down in the States, you know, already, you know, we've seen, um, you know, some people already planning concerts and tours into 2022 um, and things like that. Um, I think there's definitely going to be a massive resurgence in the entertainment industry, um, but I also think that uh, we've defined a very interesting place and a very interesting niche uh, in the entertainment industry as well. Uh, By delivering a different form of of entertainment and I think people are going to embrace that just as much as they did live events. I don't think it's ever going to be the same Um, for as many people that go out and enjoy a comedy club. I think there's going to be the same amount of people that are going to still embrace sitting at home with their spouse on a Friday night with a glass of wine and watching a comedy show on their on their laptop or, or on their TV.
1: Yeah, I know. Very valuable. It's actually going to be interesting to see if we're able to combine the two formats into certain events as we move forward, because no doubt there'll be advances in the technology that allow
2: us the opportunity to do
1: that type of thing as well, which will be pretty exciting
2: yeah when i when i got uh, when i got you know laid off from uh uh eventbrite um funny enough it was done over a zoom call um there sixteen hundred of us God. that went, all got laid off at the same time it's funny my 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 wife said they're never gonna do this over a, a video call and i you know just just watch this is gonna be fun so but uh but with that being said um you know it it i think it 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 really um made a lot of people have to use get out of their comfort zone. And, and I think that was a big thing. I think if anything, this has taught me is to, you know, don't ever take for granted what you have. This thing can be taken from you in a moment's notice and and whether it be a pandemic. And, 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 and you know, of course, I totally understand where businesses came from. I never walked away. I know a lot of people have been laid off, um, you know, in the industry um, and I never blame the companies. I, I always understand that, you know, I think they could have, Planned on maybe you know twenty five percent of their business falling through. I don't think anybody would have ever planned for one hundred percent of their business to fall through. So it's no, been tough.
1: It's very very true, and I mean it's hard from the company perspective. I, I personally am a corporate executive in mm-hmm. my, my my normal role, and you know I mean there's there's such a dichotomy there because it's people. You don't want to lay off one individual because it is their livelihood. But at that's the right. same time, you have to look at the company and see if there's any possibility of surviving for the future so that you can employ people again and create right. a livelihood for people. So that's right. very, very tricky. Are there things that worry and excite you about the industry itself and perhaps the developments in North America, actually probably global nowadays, um, in the next little while?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I I moved to Canada about seven years ago. And, and I always said, you know, it's taken a bit of uh, perspective outside of leaving another country to appreciate the things that we have in Canada. You know, I'm the people always say, you know, it's crazy. You're the only person to work in the entertainment business to leave California and come to, you know, come to Canada. And I said, really? yeah, I did <laughs> probably did that backwards, right? I, you know, I probably did that backwards. But, uh, but yeah, I think, um, you know, if, if If anything, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just a different landscape now where, when it comes to travel, uh, when it comes to, you know, working in tandem with, uh, with other countries and, and, um, and to see, you know, the shift that, you know, things have have, you know, happened over the last you know year. It's so amazing that all this has changed in a matter of I think we're, you know, maybe just past the one year mark of where things really, you know, started to, you know, um, really get down, you know, to like lockdown status. Um, but it also um, I don't know. That's uh, yeah, it's it, you know, I, I struggled with that at the very beginning, too, was was. Um, you know, how quickly things changed and, 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 uh, you know, I, but I think the, the hope that I have is that not only are we, you know, way more educated now about, you know, things, you know, the way that things are, um, the way that we live our, our lives, you know, I, I never, you know, um, really thought of our society as like being like unsanitary, but I've never used so So much sanitation in my entire life before. And, and, you know, I think just being cognizant and being aware of, of, you know, um, how easily these things can spiral out of uh, control. I think, uh, you know, with all these different variants that are coming up and, and all, you know, all these different things and and mandates and, and lockdowns and restrictions um, I'm actually pretty, I'm pretty happy the fact that we were able to, all kind of get behind um knowing that there needed to be some type of an answer and and you know whether it you know was a big push towards a vaccine well now the big challenge is getting the vaccines into into people's arms and and to understand that you know i mean thank god i got you know my mom just got vaccinated a, a couple of weeks ago i took her there she's she's a, a, a senior and um and i think you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel here you know that i think we're so close and and uh and, and just to see the energy start to come back, uh, um, I'm starting to feel like uh, we're going to come out of this, um, you know, as as, of course, saddened as I am by as many deaths and, and destruction that we've seen. Um, I, I do feel optimistic about the future. I do feel optimistic about the business and and uh, to see the trends and the and the ebbs and flows of it. I think that if we can, uh, you know, get through this, there's not much else that we're going to have a hard time getting through.
1: Uh, very true. It's been a very unifying force, I must admit. And, and I certainly agree with you on the, the topic of we never thought of our society being unsanitary. I actually moved um, to Canada approximately 20 years ago. And when I moved to North America, I know I looked at everything here and thought, gee, these people are over the top on the sanitary and they <laughs> won't eat certain things. And, you know, like eggs are taboo if you've touched anything and chicken, it. Well, you know, in all parts of the world, we now <laughs> find ourselves sanitizing like, over the top. It's just
2: oh, yeah, amazing. that's right. I don't think I'll ever be on an airplane the same way again. You know, I, so, it's going to be a whole different world. You know, it uh, it's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah how far we've gone.
1: <laughs> so do you have any thoughts that you'd like to leave podcast listeners with
2: Wow um you know I think it's uh I, I I guess um the one you know thing i I would love to impart is is I'm very proud that there's a lot of people that found who they really were throughout this entire thing and maybe it it allowed them to step outside the box maybe it was um, you know, to try it could be something as simple as redecorating your house because you spend so much time in it. It, it might be a better relationship with your parents who maybe you didn't, you know, maybe took a, a, a advantage of that relationship before and and you know maybe had taken for uh, granted. I know for myself, um, I have a daughter that's in her final year of uni- uh, university right now. Uh, I've got a son. That's uh, you know he's going to be turning fourteen uh, in in literally a, a week from from now. My relationship with my kids have never been stronger. Um, my uh, relationship with my spouse um, it's been tested uh, throughout this year. I,
1: I, it's challenging I, all being in it, the it's, same it's tough. Four walls. it's tough.
2: We you know I don't we, you know we've got you know not to brag but we've got a we've got a big house and and my and I don't, for some reason we work ten feet apart from each other. We you know she's in the living room I'm in the living room. And, uh, every once in a while she'll turn around. I can tell she's having a bad day. She'll see, you know, you really talk a lot, you know, I'm just like, (laughs) like, what do you want me to do? I work in entertainment. I got up on the phone all day with people. But, um, but you know what I have seen the other flip side of this is people really say, Hey, I'm now forced to jump outside of my comfort zone, try a new line of work, uh, maybe follow a passion that I didn't do before and, uh, you know, maybe pick up a guitar and, and, you know, practice that, maybe learning a second language, um, you know, maybe appreciate your neighbors more and, and, uh, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to go out and pick up groceries and, and, you know, drop them off to somebody who might be in quarantine or, or something like that. I think it's also brought out a lot of humanity for as much, you know, unfortunate things that we see out there on the news and, and a lot of negativity and stuff like that. I really do believe that there's a lot of beauty that has come out of this. And there's been a lot of, um, uh, a lot of, uh, really good shifts in, in people's personality and their nature, um, and their, their outlook and, and just, uh, you know, to say, Hey, um, you know, whatever you decide to get into whatever, you know, way of doing it. Um, I used to be one of those, you know, pessimistic, skeptic people. I worked in law enforcement. So I was always looking at the negative side of things. Um, and you know, never going to a good call, never, it never being a good call coming through. Um, it, uh, it, it really showed me that, um, you know, uh, people that would say, Hey, you know, find your passion and follow with the money will actually follow. Um, I never believed that. And, and, but until I started doing it and I said, you know what I have, I'm 30, 38 years old. I'm going to jump into an industry I have no really nothing about, and that was comedy. And now I'm, you know, uh, in my in my late 40s, and now I'm saying that's the best thing I've ever done. And I go back and I talk to, you know, um, people that I worked for um, at the police department and and for the government back in Texas, and 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 they look at me and they go, man, I never would have thought, you know, you'd be working with, you know, all these people in comedy and doing all these great shows and traveling all over the world and and doing stuff. And it's just, hey, I, you know, happened to find that lesson on late in life, but I'm glad I did. And and I hope that people do do that same thing.
1: Phenomenal. And, And what a transition you've made. But I do agree. You know, it's really hard to take the leap and follow your passion. You know, for a lot of people, they do look at it as how am I ever going to make money in that field, or what is my passion? How that's do right. I monetize it? And uh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, you certainly are an example of just how successful you can be because well, even you. by leaping into the passion, you've been able to reinvent along the way, which is because you are working in an area that you are passionate about. So the success. Has probably followed you as you've as you've moved forward. Thank you.
2: Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: So, how can listeners uh, get in contact with you if they're interested in having a chat or learning more?
2: Sure, I've got a website, and that's just JakeHirsch.ca, and that's it's got all my links on there. It's got you know a little bit about some of the talent that I represent, some of the live shows that we do. Um, I also uh, co-own a comedy club out in Vancouver um, and we're also opening up a new comedy club in Dallas, Texas coming up in the next couple of months so that's exciting Um and I've got Links to all of that up up on my website, along with you know all my social media stuff, and and uh, you know we make it a habit of posting daily content uh, on our social media channels just to make sure that there's you know the comics that are stuck in the I always say to myself, well I've got it rough you know sitting in a in a, in a house here and and you know having a you know a family and everybody hanging out with, but you know I've also got represent those talents that those young kids that are sitting in a one bedroom apartment in Toronto that have nowhere to go and nowhere to go stretch the legs at and and so. Um, I always try to make it a point to to showcase them as much as I can. So, um, you know, when people visit those social media channels, they can expect a new clip every day to stand up comedy and, and something funny to watch and take a you know, break at and, and uh, just to go escape for a bit. So you can find me there. You can find me just to, I think you just Google my name. I think there's one other guy that's out there doing some type of a corporate thing in the Netherlands or something with the same, the same name, but uh, oh, I asked him for my Twitter different. name back, but uh, he wouldn't give it to me. So, yeah, yeah, uh, but, yeah. We,
1: we, we wouldn't uh, get you too mixed up. So I'll definitely link, um, connect up the link in the, on the show notes page so that people can find it. Again. Excellent. But, uh, Excellent. well, thank you very much for joining us today, Jake. This has absolutely been awesome. Uh, well, th- value thank your you. Time. And, Unquestionably, I think you know. If nothing else, we need to follow your page so that we can get our daily dose of just something different in our lives every day. It's really fun.
2: Well, I appreciate that, and, and I just wanted to give a big shout out to my boy Jay as well for hooking me up with this and connecting us. You know, and uh, this opportunity. And anytime I get a chance to come on and discuss the industry and, and discuss some of the people that are in it and. Uh, some of my passions is always a a great opportunity so thank you for allowing me this platform
1: oh very much appreciated I just think we really do need to highlight our phenomenal entertainers that we do have and and you just bringing them to us because it's so hard to become aware of some of the talent we have absolutely thanks very much enjoy the rest of the day
2: thank you you as well
0: The Unlocking Business Growth Podcast is sponsored by Protea Consulting Professional Corporation. We help our clients translate their operating and accounting data into the strategy for business growth they're truly capable of. Subscribe to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify to hear from other companies that have overcome growth challenges. Get a free copy of NOLA's latest book, the 5f strategy bottom line growth in any economy without additional sales and marketing and download the financial growth scorecard at proteaconsulting.ca work with us to achieve your business potential to find out if we're a fit for your business email info at proteaconsulting.ca and follow the unlocking business growth podcast on linkedin and facebook